Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SEP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Zach Darnell. My guest today is Ilya Rector. He is an entrepreneur here in the Indy area. And his most recent company, Megawatt, is a vertically integrated Bitcoin mining company. And my co-host today is Raman Ori, who is our president and CEO at SEP. Now, I'm very amateur when it comes to the world of crypto. And Raman, thankfully, has a little bit more experience than I do. So he was able to help have a more fruitful conversation. We explored a little bit about why Ilya wanted to start Megawatt and kind of how that story unfolded over time. And it was great to hear. The thing that I walked away with was a better understanding of some of the misnomers that I've had about the Bitcoin mining space or the mining space in general that I've read about that Ilya helped to put a more positive light on and kind of shed some information that I think has been misrepresented in some publications over time. So that was really good for me to hear. He also shared a lot about what he's learned so far, some things that were surprising about the last few years, and maybe some advice for you. So Hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Did you know that he was a advisory board for Sasslio? No. So he knows John pretty well. So I was telling Zach the story. This can be on the podcast or not, but <laughs> more embarrassing on my part. Where after selling my last company, I met with founders, and John's a good friend. So during the pandemic, he's he's on my porch pitching me the idea of Sasslio, talking about you know potentially co-founding it together, things like that. Long story short, we decided it you know, wasn't the right move. I was interested in doing something else, specifically in this case, Megawatt. He launches it. I go on the advisory board. He then asked me for, you know, do I want equity in it? Do I want to buy some? And I was doing angel investing, so it was a natural fit. Like I would have absolutely done it. But I had just launched Megawatt, so most of my money was going in that direction. So on the advisory board, heard about the idea, had the opportunity to co-found it, put $0 into it. <laughs> Owned zero equity. There's like the fastest zero to sale ever made nothing very happy for john and everybody but no one can doubt your the purity of your intentions yeah it's more just <laughs> I, I did other angel investing and then the one that i like passed on that was literally on my doorstep is the first one that exits successfully Go figure. yeah very random and I, I was telling him that we missed long-term cap gains by a week i think yeah they couldn't kick that can down know, the road right? like come on dude like your diligence should take some time bit. yeah come yeah. on <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm in Mexico this week. I'll have to sign right. that contract next week. <laughs> Just kidnap John for like a week. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually kind of a good lead in mm-hmm. for Megawatt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously we met when you were doing Double Map and Megawatt is obviously in this lovely new world of crypto. Mm-hmm. New, I don't know. Can you call it new anymore? No. So fun fact, you guys focus mostly on Bitcoin mining today. Only. Only. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exclusively. There was a, I believe, a Bitcoin exchange mm-hmm. on 62nd and Keystone. I, in I've seen the, the sign. Was the it sign. an exchange? I think so. Okay. So I lived just outside of Broderpool nearby. And so mm-hmm. I drove by there constantly mm-hmm. in about 2005 ish, mm-hmm. obviously when Bitcoin was relatively new then. And I kept driving by, like, what is this Bitcoin thing? And I hopped online, Googled it a little bit, and I'm not 
Mm-hmm. This is dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, who would do this? If I only would have been just a little bit more curious, it, I may not be sitting here because I would have maybe spent a little, like, very little amount of money to make a crap ton. Sure. Over fifteen years, like. Well, I think we all we all have that story. Like, I I yeah. knew about it in twenty thirteen and didn't buy any. But that building in particular, like, I remember driving by yeah. it a lot. You know. 2013, 2014, 2015. And I still, for the life of me, don't know what's in there. And I don't know what you would put in a physical True. building True. off of Keystone or wherever it was. It's a, hold, a holding company or I don't know. it seemed a little shady, but it literally yeah. is just a gold coin that says Bitcoin yeah. as their logo. It's just on a sign somewhere. <laughs> Other than that, it's a nondescript brick building mm-hmm. on Keystone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fun facts. Yeah, I've seen it too. Yeah. 15 years ago, I could have made it. <laughs> it could have been worse. You could have bought Pizza with Bitcoin. That's true. Pizza day. That, that <laughs> guy, I think, is people make fun of him. I think he's a legend because he set a price for Bitcoin. That meant that there was actually something you could buy with it. Sure. So it's a floor. And then everything obviously happens That's since fair. then. That's, That's fair. a good point. Mm-hmm. So is that an actual story or is that a fable? Real story, real, real guy. Real story, real guy. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've always wondered. Yeah. You never know. It's the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, what is actually legitimate or not? Unfortunately for him, fortunate for, I think, the rest of us. Very, very real story. I'm yeah. guessing that guy given how many Bitcoin he spent that day, probably had some other coins. Sure. And is probably doing very well now. Fair. I hear that kind of story, and I've also heard over the years, I can't remember the password in my wallet, and I have three attempts left before mm-hmm. it wipes itself. That's got to be a horrible place to be. Yeah. That's why I use Password Manager, but that's just me. Well, there's there's whole companies set up now that help mm-hmm. with a lot of that stuff. That's fair. Two-thirds key signing and management. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll maybe yeah, we'll we can get, get into, into that. that. Yeah. I would consider myself like googled amateur <laughs> level on the world of crypto and mm-hmm. blockchain. That's and- where I'm at. <laughs> Just so you know who who the audience is for me and Raman is yeah. way more many steps above. Me. Well, let, let's say this. So you know, during the pandemic, some people did like sourdough and, mm. and that kind of thing. <laughs> so for me, the don't lose your mind during the pandemic hobby was learning about crypto. Mm-hmm. Which has been fabulous, fabulously useful because you learn how the financial system works really fast. Mm. Yes. And you get a lot of paper cuts. <laughs> you get them very quickly. Yeah. That is also true. Yeah. And and I'm very deep into it now, obviously running a business doing it. But also, you know, Zach, you and, and I know each other when I ran double maps. So mm. for 10 years, I ran a business that has nothing to do with Bitcoin or any sort of cryptocurrency. So I would consider myself to be very much a Bitcoin guy and a Bitcoin maximalist, but I was also still tethered to another world, yeah. so hopefully I can speak to both sides of it. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Megawatt. So mm-hmm. really quick, one of the only vertically integrated Bitcoin mining operations. You got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I read the website. You got it. Yep. What does that mean exactly? Tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. maybe kind of where it came from, why you felt like this was compelling to start. Yep. Give us the, the origin story. Sure. So we were talking about origin stories with Bitcoin and that building. So I'll kind of go a little yeah. bit back in time. So. I got into it right around 2016, a little bit in 2017, while running this other company, Double Map, that was in software for public transit. Mm. So I became fascinated with Bitcoin, bought a little bit, and it was more of a price action thing originally. But then I fell down this rabbit hole of wanting to learn about the financial system and everything that comes along with it. What I realized was as passionate as I was about transportation, and that being very much my full-time job with a lot of people you know, depending on it, both users and team members and all that. I was spending in a lot of my time and more becoming more passionate by the day mm. into Bitcoin. So it wasn't the sole motivator, but it was actually genuinely one of my motivators to sell that other company and exit to free up time to, in this case, go into this crazy world of Bitcoin. So then fast forward to 2019, Ford acquires Double Map. I get the first 
personal liquidity I've ever had. I don't come from any money or anything like that. And then I wanted to start another business. I knew I was going to be a serial entrepreneur, but I also had done that for a decade. So I didn't want to just jump into something mm-hmm. right away. I wanted to be really thoughtful and take my time. So while doing that, it was actually a really fascinating time. I met with potential co-founders, learned about all sorts of different industries that had nothing to do with public transit, nothing to do with software in some cases, nothing to do with Bitcoin. And as part of this learning process, I wanted something to be generating some kind of cash flow, in this case, Bitcoin at the time. So this is where Bitcoin mining kind of enters my mindset, where we can go much deeper into it, but at its core, not even necessarily focusing on what it does for securing the Bitcoin network, but it's computers that are noisy, that you can buy one or many, you plug them in, and as long as you have affordable electricity, reliable internet, and you can maintain them, which there's a lot of ifs in there. So there's a lot of (laughs) directions that you can fail, and I did in a lot of cases. If you can plug them in and keep them online, and your energy is affordable enough, it's a way to dollar cost average automatically into Bitcoin, meaning you pay your power bill, you pay your internet bill, and every single day you earn a little bit of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So my interest in it was I like Bitcoin, I wanted more Bitcoin, I was researching all this other stuff, and I was going to passively earn Bitcoin while doing that. That was the plan. At the same time, my daughter was born around this time. Like I said, these things are noisy. Among many other problems, my wife basically said, it's a non-starter to have them at my house. (laughs) I tried. So what I set out to do was to find hosts, essentially co-locations similar to AWS or somebody like that, but for Bitcoin mining equipment. I wanted it to be in the US because you could send it halfway around the world, but you have risk on top of risk on top of risk. So I wanted to keep it in the US and I wanted to find several hosts instead of just going, putting all of my eggs in one basket. So I found four. So I sent and bought and sent some computers to Colorado, some to Illinois, some to Kentucky, some to Pennsylvania. And these were traditional colos where they're just hosting your gear. Correct. So I would pay for power. I would, Mm -hmm. I guess there's a little bit premium on power. So they'd clean the machines, they'd keep them online, troubleshoot them if something came up. But in theory, the way it's supposed to work is I pay a power bill every month and I get Bitcoin. And how they do it is their business, but I own the machines. They just provide the service. My assumption, because it's a new industry, it's still the wild, wild west. This is still, you know, 2019, early 2020. I assume two were probably going to be terrible, just statistically. One would be okay. And then my hope was that one out of the four would do a great job. And I would just slowly consolidate my operation with that one, walk away happy, go start another business doing something else and ride off into the the sunset. Almost immediately, none of that went according to plan. (laughs) These businesses either didn't own their own land, didn't own their own facilities. In some cases, the people running them didn't know how to run a business. In many cases, all three. And this was when Bitcoin was going up in price to where if you don't own your land, somebody can come in and just buy it out from under you because you already have all this power infrastructure there Mm. and it's lucrative to do that. If you don't own your building, your landlord can realize what you're doing. And whether you're making money or not, there's this perception that you're making money and they can hike up your rent, you know, 10 times or whatever and kick you out if break your contract. If you don't know how to run a business, maybe you're not paying your bills on time. And if your power goes out or your internet goes out, not very conducive to Mm. consistent Bitcoin mining. So within months, I'm saying single digit months, not even making it six months, all of these machines, which was a pretty large personal investment for my wife and I, they get kicked out. They become very expensive paperweights. These aren't traditional computers to where you can't browse the web or do anything of value. They're very specific only to the Bitcoin SHA-256 algorithm. I can't do anything else with them. I don't have anywhere to plug them in. They get shipped to me. 
very expensive paperweights collecting dust. I look like a complete moron to my wife. Mm. Luckily, she was supportive, but I don't like looking like yeah. a moron. Yeah. I wasn't earning any Bitcoin and I had the sunk cost investment. So it was kind of this lose-lose scenario. Yeah. Meanwhile, I just spent a year, year and a half closing in on two years, just ideating these other businesses, searching for something that I was passionate enough to kind of devote the next 10 years of my life to. I think I've been decades just because that's how long I did my last business. And here's this very big problem that I personally am experiencing. It was a low point for me. I was very, very sad at the same time and embarrassed. At the same time, I saw this opportunity of, hey, maybe I can actually solve both of my problems using the same thing. I have these computers that I've already invested a lot of money into. I'd like a home for them. The problem isn't easy, but it's not rocket science, right? You find cheap, affordable, available, ideally sustainable energy and abundant. You buy your own land, negotiate that deal. You buy your own facilities. You know how to run a business, which in this case, I've run a business to where it's up for debate how good I am at it, but I've at least done it. Yeah, I know how yeah, to pay sure. my bills on time to where I thought that I could do that. And I was already passionate about Bitcoin, so where researching this stuff in my free time anyway, if I build a company doing this, I can kind of solve the problem for myself. The assumption was there were others having the same problem as me, and I'm very passionate about the space. And that was really the impetus. There's a lot more to that story, but that's going from double map to megawatt. Yeah. There's the story. Wow. First of all, love the authenticity. Appreciate mm-hmm. you like just being real. <laughs> sure. Uh, to retrate. Was there a point where like you had an assumption that other people are having this problem? I don't know how you validate that assumption ahead of time before you go into all of this investment. How do you find that out? You can look at the size of these facilities. And in most cases, I don't know if you've, you know, the movie, um, the Steve Carell movie about the last uh, crisis, the financial crisis. Oh, yeah, the big short. Big short. Yes. There's that scene where, you know, they're talking to these real estate uh, guys. Uh-huh. And they're like, why are they, why are they confessing to us? Yeah, well, they're yeah, not confessing, yeah. they're bragging. Yeah. This was such a wild, wild west industry where a lot of these co-location providers were bragging to me how big they'd gotten to where I can convert how much one of my machines uses in electricity. If you tell me that you have 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 megawatts of capacity, I can give you a number of how many machines that is. And if I'm having these problems, turns out at this one facility, there's 3,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 other machines. And oh, oh, by the wow. way, I'm at four separate facilities of this size. And that's just the ones that I found, right? There's mm-hmm. 30 publicly traded companies that are doing this. So we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of US publicly traded company stock that you can measure. And they have to do reports with energy prices and how many megawatts of capacity they have. I love the name drop that you keep putting in there. Which one? Megawatt. Yeah. Name of the company. That's (laughs) beautiful. Very on the nose and actually makes sense. I love it. Thank you. It sounds like a lot of you're looking at alternative energy as well, solar, wind, Mm -hmm. not traditional, you know, coal and, and, I don't know, other, I don't know the energy sector that well. I'm going to say coal, but I'm sure there's more than that. So you're looking at sustainable energy. Going back just from a candid authenticity standpoint, uh, you're pretty much where I was not that long ago with energy. I'm not an energy guy. Yeah, fair. So when I set out to you know solve this problem for myself, all of a sudden I'm drinking out of a fire hose trying to learn yeah. to answer that question about yeah. energy. And I, I hired a consulting company to do a nationwide search for power because I'm in Indiana. This didn't have to be in Indiana, mm. right? So we looked at places like Wyoming, we looked at Kentucky, we looked at Texas. Indiana wasn't by any means the cheapest, but I realized that there's a portion of Indiana, about a fourth of our state, that is in a completely different power grid than where we're sitting today. Hmm. So that's a rabbit hole for another conversation. But all of a sudden, where we're sitting today, the energy is something like 70% coal, and in a lot of cases more expensive than 
an hour away from here, all of a sudden it becomes over 80% carbon emission free. Oh, and by the way, it's less expensive to where it was a no brainer because that's just hard to find. Okay. Not to mention that the industry has matured, but there's still some regulations that are coming. I'm personally not a fan of over-regulating a space like this. I think there's merit to letting some of this stuff figure itself out, but I can't control it. So where I look at it is I'm putting a lot of my own funds into this. I'm putting a lot of my own time into this. Not only do I prefer it to be sustainably powered, but also I look at it as a risk vector. If there are some kind of regulations that come down, I want to make sure this investment that I've made is on the right side of it. Because one, that means we stay in business, but two, it means that we're kind of doing the right thing and and we have a competitive advantage compared to those that might not be able to stay in business or might get halted from expanding. That makes sense. Your ideal customer, it's probably not me that's mm-hmm. super amateur. Are these institutional investors that are diversifying the way that they're making money? Like, Who are the kind of people that are actually buying yeah. Megawatt's offering? So uh, I'll answer it in two parts. I think the first and most interesting part is if the three of us came up with a business today, we'd need to answer that question first, right? Who are we yeah. building right. this for? And then we have to build it, whether if it's a software business, we need to bring in some developers, we need to pay them, we need to wait however many months and then mm-hmm. cross our fingers that people actually buy this thing that we've created. In Bitcoin mining, I can plug in the miners that I already had and they start mining on the network immediately, at which point I don't need a customer, period, Right. which is a very interesting market. So the, these things consume a certain amount of power. Yeah. You can look at the price of Bitcoin. You can look at something called this difficulty level, which means how many other machines are vying for the same reward on the network. And you can actually predict revenues in Bitcoin terms when you plug in one machine relative to your energy price. There's a lot to learn and it's a complicated math problem, but it's not rocket science. By sure, means. sure. Um, so that's the first base case of how we started. Beyond that, we wanted to reach economies of scale because there's only so much capital I'm going to put into this and we needed to hire some staff, at which point we can double, triple, quadruple the capacity without increasing our headcounts, mm-hmm. where we started taking in some customers. The first one being one of my best friends that happened to also mine Bitcoin, happened to also be at the same facilities that I was at, had the same problem, was looking for a home. So our first few customers were just people that were asking us to take in their stuff. We've started doing quote unquote sales probably within the last two, three months. And that's not because necessarily we need to do sales. That's just because we have this capacity that we've built up. We might as well let people know about it. And it's everybody, by the way. Sorry, to answer answer your original question. Anybody and everybody. The craziest part to me compared to DoubleMap, my last business, is we have, without telling exactly the name and the size of individual customers, we have just a guy that has more machines and pays more per month than Fortune 500 companies were paying DoubleMap. Oh, wow. It's crazy. So, I mean, as long as your hosting costs, I'm oversimplifying hosting Mm -hmm. there, are cheaper than their returns that they're mining. It's an easy math problem. Exactly. The math problem is the key part where there's companies that we work with, there's individual people with 10 machines that we work with, there's individual people we work with with 150 machines, Mm. there's some with 300 machines, which depending on when you bought them, could have been as expensive as $10,000 a machine, could be as cheap as $1,600, $1,700 a machine, which is closer to where they are at now. But it's still shocking relative to where I thought the appetite for it was compared to what people are actually buying. Some people, like if you ask me just from a, a normal person standpoint, buying two machines that say 2,500 bucks a piece, that's a sizable investment. That's not yeah. nothing. But then that, that same person, some people are coming back and saying two is too many. Maybe they want one. Maybe they aren't comfortable with this, which is totally fine. But then some people who I expect only want a couple come back and say, well, I'd like 30. 
Oh, wow. Are they sending you their gear? So they own the gear. Okay. They send it to us or buy it through us. We can help them procure it. So you could source it as yeah, well. Yeah, we okay. plug it in and we charge them a kilowatt hour rate. So monthly rate per month. Okay. Have you considered leasing? Like there's a bunch of ways you could go sure. in terms of sort of add-on services around that. Mm-hmm. Have you explored all that? I'm aware of it. I think at least with this business, which we're very overhead and employed light, we're just going about it kind of the easiest way possible, which any level of complexity, I'm thinking about it as in terms of relative to putting a dollar towards us, which we do a lot of mining of our own as a company, relative to putting a dollar towards another computer for us to mine or investing time and energy and resources into some other model, what's the what's the ROI? And so far, we've just kept it as vanilla as possible. Do you think there's a point at which you don't need to sell the quote unquote sell the service where what you mine as a business is enough to run the business and make a reasonable return? Also a great question. We're learning as we go. So sure. there's a certain amount of cost associated with the copper cables and mm. the transformers and the containers, containerized solution that we use or facilities to build that out to where that capital has to come from somewhere. We are and have every intention of continuing to be 100% employee owned. So we're not actively raising capital. We have no intention of doing it. So where then the question becomes for us is, do we put our capital into buying more machines of our own? Or do we take on some customer machines, use that capital to continue to expand our capacity organically? And then for every, I'm making this up, uh, for every 10 client machines, we add you know three or four of our own, something like that. That's interesting. The idea is just to make it a snowball rolling down a hill. Yeah. I don't know that I can think of a of a company off the top of my head that gener- like that generates its own revenue in a way. I can't think of an adjacent business model. It feels closer to a, almost like a group of investors. Yeah. Like you could fill the facility with just your machines, mm-hmm. right? You could go deep in debt, buy yeah. them, fill it with your own, yep. and have a pretty good chance of having the return, but you essentially are sharing the risk. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because yeah. there is demand from other people that want exposure to this. The idea for, for an end customer of ours, they... If the math works out right, which is intended to be this way, the money that they're spending per month on electricity means that they're getting, I'm using a round number of one Bitcoin, but it can be a fraction of a Bitcoin, depending on how many machines they have. They get that Bitcoin for less than what they could buy it on the open market. Okay. So that's the idea. That makes sense. I can't promise that. It's not a security by any means. I don't control any of that. I can control the uptime of the machine yeah. and I can control our overhead. You've mentioned a little bit of regulatory a minute ago. Obviously, uh, Coinbase and I think Binance are the yep. latest to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're recording June 9th. Yeah, yeah. But you know, this whole past twelve months has been a uh-huh. interesting time for crypto mm-hmm. between SBF and FTX yes. mm-hmm. shenanigans, yep. uh, Celsius and Voyager, yep. Gemini, and now and now this. What's your reaction to all that? So it's interesting. The main point is, I think this is why Bitcoin is important relative to crypto. And, and I'm, that's why I'm Bitcoin only. Using our company as an example, the miners generate the coins and then they get sent directly to our or our client's Bitcoin address, at which point, in our case, I don't know what our clients do, but this is what we encourage our clients to do, is we have everything on hardware wallets. We don't host anything on exchanges. right? Mm. So. FTX and Binance and Coinbase, I can sleep easy at night knowing that as much as maybe it affects the Bitcoin price, I'm pretty agnostic to that. It doesn't really move it, change anything for us. Now, putting Bitcoin aside and just speaking about that, <laughs> weirdly, I'm against both. I think everybody's at fault there. Mm. So I think the SEC is doing a very, very, very bad job of 
not providing rules. Yeah. To where if there were guidelines and companies didn't follow those guidelines, fine, they should be in trouble. But if there were no guidelines and those companies asked for guidelines, and now the SEC is essentially creating guidelines by suing these companies, I think something in that system is broken. Yeah. Similarly, Coinbase, Binance, I think there's a lot of things on record where more information is going to come out, but there's employees of Binance in writing to each other saying that they know they're running an unregistered US exchange, which is better than FTX somehow, which was running a <laughs> illegal offshore exchange yeah. that maybe didn't even have the money and the coins that they said that they uh, had. And then Coinbase is kind of a third one, which it's getting lumped in there because it's happening within days of Binance or one day of Binance. But Coinbase is a publicly traded US company that submits 8Ks and 10Ks. I don't personally want to trust anybody, including Coinbase, with my coins, but I tend to believe that they actually have the coins that they say they have. So I don't mm-hmm. think there's outright fraud happening there. At the same time, they used to be a Bitcoin-only exchange. Then it was Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. And then all of a sudden, they added all these other coins, Yeah, partially because Binance and FTX were doing it. So they had to compete, is my guess. I don't know. But those coins, I'm not an expert, so this is purely my opinion. They probably are securities. People who are buying Pepe coin or whatever are buying it not because of the tech. They're right. buying it because they're they, hoping they can make a return. Exactly. Yeah. At which point, Coinbase probably shouldn't have done that and shouldn't have listed those things. I understand the competitive pressure, but I think they're in the wrong there as well. Sure. That's interesting. You raise a good point. I, I don't think anybody's been more public than Brian Armstrong mm-hmm. about please give us the rules. Yep. Right. Like mm-hmm. we're trying to run a legitimate business. Yep. Yeah. It's, Predicting the future is hard, but like trying to anticipate where did, where does this market go? Does it thrive outside the U.S.? Because mm-hmm. effectively, I, I know um, Binance has lost their fiat partners, mm, so yes. they won't have the ability to do on-ramp and off-ramp. Well, Coinbase, and again, I, I'm not super empathetic to Coinbase because nobody forced them to add all these coins. At the same time, they're a U.S. publicly traded company that's created a lot of jobs in America. And something I'm genuinely passionate about outside of purely Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and my company, Megawatt. It's like, what can we do to create more jobs in America and high paying jobs in America and rebuild communities in America? And Coinbase will continue to exist. Unfortunately, all those other coins will continue to exist. Most of them, some, if not all, eventually will go to zero. But in the short term, they will continue to exist. Those jobs in the company will just move offshore, Mm. at which point it'll just exist somewhere else. It's interesting. Like, we, Roman and I were chatting a little bit earlier that for some reason, I think Bitcoin, you told me Bitcoin and Ethereum were the two that were, you know, not under. Effectively uh, have been yeah, called not, not securities. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Which, well, it's just, like, just why Bitcoin you? to the best of my knowledge. Gensler's on record saying just okay. Bitcoin. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Because yeah, mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions. If, if Ethereum mm-hmm. has been sort of blessed, then there are a lot of utility coins that mm, I'm not sure you. Wouldn't yeah. fall under the same rules. Yeah, and and I'm not an expert there. I whether so, what is a security, what isn't. That's just what I've seen Gensler say. Who I'm also not personally a fan of. But that's largely why there's a cryptocurrency blanket that I hear, and Bitcoin gets grouped to that. I personally don't see very many similarities between the two. Where the value prop, if there is one, of some of these other altcoins, and there's a lot of other names for them, shit coins is another one. <laughs> is that it's faster than Bitcoin or whatever other coin. You can make a monkey picture or whatever with NFTs. There's a lot of other, you can do this and you can do this better. Bitcoin inherently doesn't do those things. It is a dumb coin in that sense. 
but with pride, so to speak, because those other coins, well, what's to stop somebody else from making an even faster mm. you know, transaction protocol or a prettier monkey picture or whatever that devalues those? So I think the risk vector there, not to mention they're probably securities, is high. Whereas Bitcoin, I see there's a lot of other value cases for it, but specifically for me, I focus on the base case of gold and the similarities with gold. Yeah. For gold, yeah. sure, it's pretty and sure, it's used in jewelry, but the majority of the value of gold is because it has a hard cap and it's hard money. It's There's a store of value component to it. So Bitcoin also has a hard cap, in fact, harder than gold, just because we know the exact supply of 21 mm-hmm. million that it will ever reach to. But beyond that, it's easier to divide it. You're not melting it or doing anything like that. It's easier to transfer it. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've heard those stories in war-torn zones or something like that. People are taking their jewelry and whatever they can carry, they walk out with. With Bitcoin, you put everything on a hardware wallet the size of a USB drive, and you can do mm-hmm. that. And even if you don't want to do that, if you can memorize 12 words, you can do that and you can transact with everybody in the world from that point on. So, Oh, that's interesting. From a property standpoint, sure, there's a blockchain involved with both, but that's pretty much where the similarities end. Interesting. So Bitcoin's where it's at. It sounds like you made a good bet. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not I'm not in the <laughs> prediction game. So genuinely, yeah. I'm actually pretty price agnostic with this stuff. Sure. Short of just like an emotional you know, spike when the price goes up or down. But I think it's just a legit form of hard money. Yeah, that's fair. I wonder, you know, I'm thinking, you know, anybody listening that, you know, has heard some of these terms, like, I don't know, either one of you could maybe explain a little bit of, maybe not go super deep on explaining blockchain, but maybe the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum, just from a base technology perspective. I know there's proof of work, proof of stake. Mm -hmm. So Ethereum comes with a virtual machine, effectively. And it says, within this virtual machine, you can run scripts. So there is a blockchain, there is the virtual machine, and there's the token. And between them, you can then essentially do a form of distributed computing with a trustless aspect to it. I can see the results. You can see the results. Mm -hmm. No one can change that, assuming the nodes uh, maintain their integrity. Versus Bitcoin doesn't come with the virtual machine, effectively. right? So you're not writing code against Bitcoin. Does that make sense? Kind of. Lightning. Ethereum has smart contracts and other properties. Ethereum, I think one of the more interesting things is it had a pre-mine. Um, so there's there's a concentration of Ethereum owned by a small group of people. Bitcoin didn't have that. Whoever, Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin or whoever they are, we don't know and their coins haven't moved in many, many, many years. Ethereum had that pre-mine, has that concentration, also recently moved from proof of work to proof of stake. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So proof of work is Bitcoin mining. That's yep. it's yep. physical. I'm you, giving yeah. you my resources to process transactions. Mm-hmm. Right. So proof of stake, it's akin more to a democratic voting system. Mm. So ultimately, if we each in America have a vote, our vote counts for one person if we want to vote for president or whatever. In Ethereum, the protocol is updated that same way in terms of a voting mechanism. But my question is, you mentioned, you know, if those nodes validate the transactions, there's that concentration risk where if you wanted to change the code, you need a concentration of these votes, at which point what's to stop Elon Musk from all of a sudden buying a ton of Ethereum and then changing the protocol to his whim. With Bitcoin, you would need to convince all of these miners. I'm one and I don't report to anybody. We don't have any investors. It's right. literally me and my team. Right. Right. And we're... Re- large in terms of an industrial scale miner, but we're small in the sense of you know, draw a bucket of water in the ocean in terms of distributed miners all over the world because you don't need any permission to plug these things in. 
we talked about not needing a customer. You could just buy one in Africa or you know, Asia or anywhere, plug it in, and then you're all of a sudden supporting the network, securing the network, and you can ROI it yourself mm-hmm. depending on what your energy costs are and keeping it cool. At which point to 51% attack it, which means having 51% of the all miners on the network to change some of the code, you need to corral all of these miners worldwide who don't report to anybody who you don't even know of. They might be very wealthy people somewhere. They might be in huts. They whatever wherever there's a cell phone internet connection mm-hmm. and electricity because it's not a high bandwidth thing. Somebody can do this. Mm-hmm. So where there's actual, there's still concentration. There's still you know the manufacturers, the machines that have it, all that. And people have tried to change the code that way. It was called Bitcoin Cash that ended up coming out of that, but they failed. There was an attempt, there's books written about it, all that. So it's very, very hard to change. And if somebody like Elon Musk or you know the richest people in the world tried to do it without anybody knowing, it's called proof of work for a reason. It took me a year plus to build this electrical infrastructure and order transformers and get these machines delivered. It's very physical, right? To where you'd see this person or these people coming. They can't just do it mm. overnight. It would take a year or many, many, many years, at which point the rest of the network would scale up as well. It's fascinating. I think it's helpful to set just context. Like I learned a lot in that, and I've I've learned a lot from Remen even uh, yeah. over the last couple of years. And I'm to be clear, I'm into Bitcoin. That's all that I'm into. Sure. At the same time, there's a term called toxic maximalism in Bitcoin. So there's maximalism, which means you're focused on Bitcoin. And there's toxic, means that you think everything else is is garbage, is terrible. Sure, sure. Admittedly, I do. Yeah. Think everything yeah. else is garbage. At the same time, I'm not toxic in the sense of somebody is interested in Ethereum or is interested in something else. Yeah. My view on it is it's none of my business. So I free free market and people can invest in it. Yeah. I just am into Bitcoin. It's okay to have a healthy debate. Yeah. It's good. It's spicy. Hot mm-hmm. takes are are informative, I feel yeah. like. I'm kind of curious. Megawatt's been around for about 18 months. About that, yeah. So we reached our one year birthday of turning the lights on, which it, there was a lot of work sure, before yeah, turning the lights sure. on. May 20th of this year. Okay. I would imagine it's been a fun year and you already shared a lot, I think, even prior to that point. Tell me something that was maybe surprising or unexpected in that time frame. What was an assumption you had? We're going to follow this plan mm-hmm. and it's going to go this way. And one day you woke up and it was like, oh, no, that that's not going to work the way that we thought. That's pretty much every piece of the business. Oh, awesome. <laughs> every I- assumption I made was very, very wrong. But I think that's a startup. You can pick any industry, any company, whatever assumption you have, if you're naive enough to pursue a startup, because it's not a not a good deal. You're better off getting a job at some big company from a stability and sure. predictability standpoint. But that's what I love about it is I love having a plan, getting punched in the face and then iterating on that and moving forward. I talked about the energy search and I think it quickly gets into something I'm very passionate about because it's it's physical, right? Bitcoin is digital. People can touch it. And that's kind of this deterrent from some. In my case, it was the exact opposite. So I set out to do this energy search. The consulting company was looking at different states. I found that a fourth of our state has this energy source that I wanted that was affordable enough and that it was green enough. So then the question becomes, where do you locate it? So going mm-hmm. back to my my double map days, we did a lot of RFP procurement with municipalities. And that's the, if there's one thing I knew how to do from those days is how to run an RFP process and how to get some competition going. In that case, in those days, I was on the receiving end of it. Here, I was starting to run the process of where should we build this? Ah. So I started calling mayors and economic development corporations and city council members and these communities that were in this geographic area of Indiana that I wanted to locate this in that had the power that we wanted. And I would say 75% of them just didn't return my call. 
they heard Bitcoin and they were just inherently, I don't know what they were I'm projecting, maybe against it, maybe afraid of it, uneducated, whatever it may be, didn't want it. So never returned my call. Of the quarter that did return my call, I would say most of them just called it magic internet money and the conversation more or less stalled out there, even though I genuinely had no ask. I wasn't asking for an incentive. I wasn't asking for anything. I just wanted to be transparent about what we wanted to build so that we had some level of community awareness and buy-in. We didn't want to swoop in in the middle of the night and build something. So then eventually we got to this one person in an economic development organization that, that got it. I told him what our requirements were, and he started this search for electrical infrastructure. In Bitcoin mining, there's this idea that it uses all this power, and that's bad. I get where that fear comes from. I think it's a little bit uneducated in that sense, because there's a reason that Bitcoin miners aren't located in Indianapolis, in New York, or in San Francisco. To oversimplify, there's people there that use power and that are willing to pay more than Bitcoin mm. miners. So Bitcoin miners are incentivized to look for the cheapest power. That makes sense. Because that's our number one overhead cost. We want to go to rural communities. And then Indiana, and this is where I get pretty passionate about it, Indiana, I think, has a, a huge advantage over a lot of other states, where we used to have all of this automotive manufacturing here. So there's all this electrical infrastructure in rural communities, for the most part. And they're rural because those people used to work at GM or Ford plants or whatever it may have been. Those jobs have left. A lot of those communities, very hardworking people, a lot of skilled labor, but they've been in decline for many, mm-hmm. many, many years. Yeah. So now fast forward to this guy searching in one of these communities. He calls me and says, hey, I've got this perfect plot of land for you. Come take a look. I'm picturing some like small black site <laughs> house in the middle of some cornfield right now. <laughs> so that's what I was picturing. Okay. All right. So the story goes, and I have a newspaper clipping, so this is real. Oh, like, that's this is hilarious. made up. I can see it all. There was a 90,000 square foot warehouse at this site that used a ton of electricity because the electricity infrastructure is still there to this day. We're now just using it. In the early 90s, some employee of this business or one of the businesses housed in this warehouse was upset. Oh, no. Torched it. Ooh. So it burned to the ground. So I believe this was in 1994, give or take a year. It has been sitting vacant since then. So approaching 30 years, mm-hmm. nothing there. The energy infrastructure is there. There's a concrete slab left and this sole column that's left over that from this warehouse that is charred, but it didn't fall over. And that's what's been there for years. The, the idea, and, and I've gotten to know a lot of people in this town, they're very, very wholesome and nice, but the downtown, since we've been operating on Main Street, there's a building that has just crumbled and collapsed because it was unoccupied for so long. So we go there and there's energy infrastructure there. There's a concrete slab, which we use this containerized solution. So we need a level surface. It is the perfect place for Bitcoin mining. So we put all this in there and for context, we use, it's it's a mix of wind, solar, and nuclear energy primarily, mm-hmm. which in a lot of cases is difficult to store, which we can get into that as well as something I learned. Each one of our containerized solutions, the analogy I've used is it uses as much electricity as a Walmart. We're up to six going on seven of those. And that's how much electricity was stranded in this area, meaning nothing was being done with it. But it was being generated. It was being generated. Interesting. So wind, you can't control when it's windy, when it's sunny. Nuclear energy, you can't just store. It's not like the Simpsons with neon green waste barrels. That's just not how it works. It needs to go somewhere. So all of a sudden now we go in there, and this is the aha moment for the mayor and the city council. I didn't convince them on the merits of Bitcoin as much as I tried. I convinced them on, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to fund it. We're not asking for any money. Here's how it's taxed. You can go build some roads, hospitals, schools, and rebuild a lot of this infrastructure because we're just going to place it in a site that was abandoned for the last 30 years. I want to make sure I understand this. It almost sounds like you 
took electricity that was being wasted and Mm -hmm. put it to use. 100% correct. That's like the opposite of what I feel like I've read in the last few years about the, I'm going to say, quote unquote, waste of Mm -hmm. mining. Like I've actually read articles about, oh, well, price of energy in return is, uh, you know, imbalanced. So mining for Bitcoin and mining for any coins is in decline and it's incredibly wasteful and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. You literally just told a story that tells the opposite. And luckily we don't have investors, so I don't really have to respond to those stories, but I read them, right? And I get asked all the time and I don't even know how to address them because it's, it's like calling the sky purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on what I'm seeing on a day-to-day basis. That's interesting. Another just visual of the paint. So forget Bitcoin mining for a second. Let's just talk about wind, like a wind turbine and how that works, right? We can't control when it's windy. Mm. So sometimes it's very windy and it generates a lot of electricity. Sometimes it's not windy at all and the thing is just sitting there, right? Given that we can't control that, what do you do during the times when it's too windy, right? You have a certain amount of demand. If that demand doesn't go up, what do you do with that energy? Yeah. Well, the solution is batteries, right? So then you're buying, you're paying for infrastructure to store that energy. Now let's take a Bitcoin miner. If you don't buy a battery and you just take some Bitcoin miners, those miners will pay for that electricity. Mm-hmm. So instead of spending money, you're now making money. And oh, by the way, Bitcoin mining isn't mission critical, meaning if you power them down at a moment's notice, nobody dies. It's okay. It's not a hospital. The, the, the network still works. There's a new block found roughly every 10 minutes. I feel like a crazy person because it's so <laughs> obvious in some cases how we could use this technology. Yeah. It's independent of the price of Bitcoin. And instead, we're fighting it. That's really cool. You just kind of unlock something in my brain because one of the things that I was thinking of, you know, is before you were coming in is, man, I've heard all of these stories to where this is so inefficient and it's mm-hmm. it's not actually profitable. Like how is megawatt making money and how? So this is eye opening for me. It can certainly be unprofitable. Sure. No sure, doubt. Sure. Right? Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're overpaying for energy, yeah. you know, if you're that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that context was helpful. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that you anticipated <laughs> some level of regulation. Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? So when I say anticipating, it's starting. I don't agree with it because I actually think, so for example, there's something called the DAME tax. So digital asset mining, I forget what the E stands for. We can look it up. The White House proposed it in their 2024 budget for this next year. So it was very, very real until about a week or two ago where it was cut from the budget, which I think was the same move, but that doesn't mean it's gone forever. I still think it's a risk vector out there. What this tax proposes is a 30% tax on all digital asset miners on the energy that they consume. Now, 99.9 whatever of that is Bitcoin. So let's just call it Bitcoin miners. A 30% tax on the price of electricity that Bitcoin mining uses. Essentially, they're saying it's bad. Let's tax it. I don't know. As an American, I guess, if I'm paying for the electricity and I'm at my house, I feel like it's my right to flip the lights on and off if I want to. Right. What they're saying is they don't see the utility in it and they are going to tax it, at which point it's a very slippery slope beyond Bitcoin mining to, well, why do we need a electric dryers and we can just hang our clothes outside? Why do we need Christmas lights if there's not a utility behind them? Sure. Why do we need slot machines at casinos? I don't know where that snowball stops. The actual stops. Like, societal utility comes from. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. something I'm actively going to be working on, several states have already passed a bill. Um, so Montana, I believe, has passed it. I think Arkansas has passed it. I think Missouri is close. And there's many other states already in the works. Something I'll be working on in Indiana is something called the right to mine bill. Mm-hmm. So not asking for any incentive, not asking for a penny. It's more just saying that energy companies cannot discriminate against what their consumers who are paying for electricity do with electricity yeah. that they pay for. 
Yeah, it's uh, digital asset mining energy. Energy. There you go. There you you should have guessed that. <laughs> Hints are 30%. I think it's incremental. So it would be 10% first year, sure. 20% second year, third, 30%, 30%. But again, what's interesting to me, forget my company. If this happens, Bitcoin will continue to exist. Bitcoin mm-hmm. mining will continue to exist. It will just move to other countries. And then those taxes that I was mentioning for rural communities and reusing infrastructure will just exist there. Right. And we will miss out on all of it. Right. Because ultimately, I think in just a capitalistic sense, Bitcoin mining is incentivized to go to where the energy is cheapest. The energy is cheapest in areas where it exists and is underused. Mm-hmm. It's not much more complicated than that. I love even just the, there's almost this uh, small town revitalization that's that's mm-hmm. coming to mind when you you kind of tell the story. And you know, granted, you're a little over a year into this mm-hmm. journey and it's still very small, but I have to imagine that there's still growth in this market. I think we've you just know? scratched the surface. That's what I mean. Like right, like super yeah. early. Even though you know, quote unquote, Bitcoin has been around for a little less than twenty years, however long. Sure. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. That's kind of exciting. And I think the scale is important. So we are small relative to other miners. Sure. From just a normal business sense, we're using more electricity than the town we're in mm-hmm. already. We have well over a thousand individual computers up there and growing. So it's been a seven-figure business since about six months into the business. Wow. So there's, there's purely from a tax standpoint, there's just a lot that you can do with this because it's taxed at a, at a very high rate. It's taxed as ordinary income. Right. So from a state standpoint, it would actually be bad for my company because there'd be more competition for this energy that's right. stranded. But I would rather these companies that are publicly traded, so much, much, much bigger than mine, instead of going to Wyoming, instead of going to Kentucky, instead of going to Texas, which are the three main states that they're going to, I understand AI company wanting to go to San Francisco instead of Indiana. I think there's a lot of merit for it to be done here, but I get it. I get why there's intellectual capital and financing out there. But these are companies that are going to Kentucky that could be paying taxes here and creating right. jobs here. Yes. It's just crazy to me. No disagreement. And oh, by the way, Kentucky is primarily coal energy, mm-hmm. which we have a quarter of our state that is over 80% carbon emission free. And in that same region, we're currently building the country's largest solar array. So that number will be well over... 90% here in the next year to two to three years. Intra. Have you considered becoming even more vertically integrated by having your own renewable sources? I would love to. Again, it goes back to dollars and cents. So right now we're, we're using the grid. At the same time, people joke that Bitcoin miners are in competition with each other, which technically we are. The more miners there are on the network, you know, the less we generate in terms of Bitcoin. We're friends with other miners. We talk shop, we figure out what transformer to buy, all this other stuff. I don't really view them that much as competitors, who I think, and I don't think they're doing this yet, but if they wise up, I think the real competitors are power plants. Mm. They should absolutely start mining Bitcoin. They're literally generating the thing that yes. is the highest overhead. Yes. That's a good point. Yes. Maybe I should edit that out of the show. <laughs> it's okay because it's not a secret, right? I think yeah. they should. Yeah. Like I'll give another kind of crazy stat. So there's pricing on energy. It's a dynamic market. Sure. Yep. So sometimes when everybody turns their AC on, we don't necessarily pay more for energy because Indiana is a regulated state, but in theory, the price of energy goes up. Mm-hmm. And it's a market. Similarly, when there's not much of a demand for energy, the price goes down. And in the case of wind and solar, which are intermittent because we can't control when it's sunny and how windy it is, in some cases they're paying businesses or organizations yep. or trading energy at a loss right. of that energy. Think about now you're running a wind or a solar farm. You're paying people to take energy. That's kind of nuts. Yes. I've barely here recently gotten to 
learn a little bit about MISO and mm-hmm. kind of the ener- energy exchange. And mm-hmm. it's a fascinating world. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. So I'm kind of curious. There are things that, um, you know, you've learned along the way, some, some fun stories, uh, some really cool ways that you're, you're definitely flipping my understanding of kind of this world. Let's say you're going to get into hypothetical person. So John Smith wants to get into Bitcoin mining. Mm-hmm. Is starting with a service like yours the way to get going? What if they want to add and be a competitor with you? By the way, we have similar relationships with uh, what I would say competitors. We often call them frenemies, I mm-hmm. feel like, here at SCP. Yes. Yep. Where there are companies that do similar things to what we do, but we have great conversations with them and Absolutely. learn from one another because there's always enough opportunity for all of us to be successful. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I love the relationship you have with them because mm-hmm. it's great to learn from one another. 100%. So let's say you know a new upstart wants to jump into this world. What's the advice? What's the counsel that you might give somebody? So I think going back to just startups, not specifically Bitcoin mining. Sure. I'll even go back to that year, year and a half I spent coming up with ideas and learning about industries. My MO when I'm interested in ideas, I talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have anybody sign NDAs, none of that stuff. I just talk about it. And typically one of two things happens. Either I get bored of talking about the idea, which means it's probably not that good of an idea that I probably shouldn't devote the next decade of my life to. I love that. Or the person says something interesting that I hadn't thought of and I learned and I realize it's probably not that good of an idea. <laughs> but there's value in sharing those things yeah. where and NDAs, it's essentially saying, hey, my idea is so brilliant mm-hmm. that if I tell you, you know, I lose all value, which to me, that's maybe 1% of the value. Yeah. 99% is on the execution. So if anybody wants to start another vertically integrated Bitcoin mining facility yeah. down the street for megawatt, I wish them the best and heck, I'll even give them the playbook. Yeah. It's proof of work. That name actually means something. There's there's mm. a lot that goes to it where in Bitcoin mining, I look at it as, you know, all these pieces that need to fit together perfectly at the same time. And if you have nine out of ten, it's not gonna work, meaning it's binary. So you need transformer, you need electricians, you need facilities, you need cooling, you need mm. maintenance, you need stable internet, you need to manage your costs. There's a lot of components to it, which are all doable, right? I, I think there's many people that are doing it that are you know, smarter than I am. At the same time, if I can figure it out, there's others that can do it. So I'm not saying it's by any means rocket science, but it's a lot of work. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I love that sentiment too, you know, because you're right. We, I mean, our world is usually gated by NDAs with our, with our clients. Mm-hmm. And there's good reasons for a lot of that. But just out in the world, having coffee and lunch with people in the indie tech scene, Mm-hmm. There is almost this like fear of divulging too much of a thing that doesn't exist mm-hmm. yet. And I, I love that sentiment because you're right. How much could you learn from just having an open conversation with somebody? The other part I too is that. I think that most ideas that I've heard of, especially successful companies, what they start with and what they end up pivoting to mm-hmm. are oftentimes two different things, yep. right? Amazon started as a bookstore. Yep. That's not what they do now. So if you're safeguarding the original idea that much, you have no idea what the company actually is going to become. Right. And you may not be uh, willing to let it evolve to that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I've learned a lot about this business and other ways that it can evolve just by doing it different than what I set out to do originally. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then as far as if somebody's interested in getting started, my advice to anybody, don't buy more Bitcoin than what you're comfortable with because- it can go up and go down in price. I can't predict it, but I encourage everybody to throw a few bucks in it just to see how it moves. And because that encourages, I think, having skin in the game to yes. learn. Yes. And then with Bitcoin mining, it sounds very scary to most people. That's where we come in. It's not for everyone, but at the same time, I look at it. If Bitcoin 
moves like a stock. I don't think it is a stock by any means, but if it moves like a stock, you buy it at a certain price, it goes up, down, or sideways over time. Bitcoin mining is much more like investing in real estate, where if the three of us wanted to buy an apartment complex, mm-hmm. we or let's say just one house, we have a capital expense up front to buy the place. We then have a bill every single month in terms of a mortgage, but when we find a tenant, that bill is covered. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully some extra. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you know, we fix up a couple of things <laughs> yeah. and then it, it breaks even in your mm-hmm. profit. But that mm-hmm. process takes mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine years, depending on the case. Bitcoin mining functions in a very similar way where you have to buy the machine or machines up front. So there's a capital expense. You have a monthly expense in terms of electricity, but it's not a question of if it's going to ROI. It's a question of how long, which yeah. again, I can't promise these things, but in what we've seen, we're talking about in a bull case, year, year and a half. In a base case, two to three years. In a bear case, it can take longer. But the beauty of it is, compared to real estate, is that if you can't find a tenant or if your tenant doesn't pay, you're still on the hook for a mortgage. Right. Whereas here, you can just pause the miner and then your bills stop. Right. And then you can come back when it's more profitable to mine. So it's not a question of if you'll break even. It's a question of how long. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that. So what is next for Megawatt? Sounds like you've got a functioning playbook. Mm-hmm. You said you mentioned uh, just starting advertising the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Is it essentially grow as fast as the demand is there or other vectors you might follow? Yeah, so grow as fast as organically allowed is how I'd phrase it because there's been publicly traded companies and private that have just taken on copious amounts of debt. I forget if you mentioned uh, Core Scientific or Celsius, but Core Scientific was the largest Bitcoin miner and they went bankrupt because they had crazy debt to build their facility to the size they built. And it turns out their main client was Celsius, who mined Bitcoin. And just last week, this is a true story, we have pictures. Just last week, some of the miners that we took in have a core scientific sticker and had a big Celsius thing written mm. on the box. So oh, we're now repurposing those oh, to wow. a non-leveraged play, which is, I think, the way it should be done. So I think that's kind of how we want to grow. Beyond that, there's some grid balancing things that we're working on now we're already doing, which happy to explain to the extent that you're interested, but that's, that's another direction where we're helping balance the energy grid. And then beyond that, we are now the proud sponsor of a race car. Uh, so oh, we're wow. now into racing. Yeah, saw that. Yeah. Very cool. How's it performing? <laughs> Way better than I expected. Um, we did it with zero expectations. It, it was a client of ours who happens to be a friend of mine who became a race car driver. So he told me one day that he was going to start racing in this uh, TC America tour and he needed a title sponsor. So I did it because maybe it would lead to some clients, but I thought it would be just something cool to do. Yeah. And then it's a friend. So worst case scenario, help a friend out. That's awesome. Best case scenario, there's some overlap with client base and maybe he does well. He's placed fourth in almost every single race and improving every single time. We've gone to events. It's been phenomenal team building. It's been a nice perk. We invite our clients Um, to my big surprise and it's exceeded all expectations in terms of an ROI. Turns out there's a lot of interest in Bitcoin mining Mm. in that community. So it's been awesome and the car looks very cool yeah plus it has a giant b on the hood so it's spreading bitcoin awareness so i, I saw the i saw some pictures it's it's really cool looking <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah. it's actually coming it's doing a nationwide tour so it's coming to indy in october so we'll be having yeah. a big event with a local indy bitcoin meetup that's awesome and we're bringing a lot of people to the race so you both are invited what uh like nascar and i don't know much about racing yeah. what what league i guess i don't even know if that's the right way to describe it i'm very new to it as well okay, so i'm learning enough. yeah uh, so it's a it's a bmw m2 cs uh, so it's actually a street car but obviously made into yeah. a race car okay so it races against that and it's technically branded as uh 
Hondas, but it's really accurate is that it's racing against another BMWs. Okay. There's other classes of cars that are some some Subaru cars. There's some BMW Mini Coopers, things like oh, that. Oh, so it's not like all the same. I'm, I'm picturing Fast and the Furious yeah, yeah. right now. <laughs> it's a little different. Closer to, the cars look different, but it's closer to, it races on Formula One tracks. Oh, okay. It's not yeah. a loop like the 85 no. or NASCAR. It's it's more mm-hmm. like Monte, uh, not Monte Carlo. Um, yeah. No, anyway. They do it in they Monte Carlo. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, it's Monte Carlo. Grammar. I'm not too far off then. Yeah. There we go. My ignorance in this space. <laughs> no, but that's where I, I would encourage you to go to race because I was very ignorant and yeah. I still probably am in the space. But going to it, akin to kind of a minor league team, if, if you imagine going to a Colts game or a Pacers game, let's say in a box, Mm-hmm. I happen to be into those two sports and those two teams, so I watch it. But most people in a box, they're just eating and drinking, yeah, right? Yeah. Here, we're in the paddock, meaning all the cars there, and it races in the same tour as Aston Martins and Ferraris oh, wow. are there and all this other stuff. So you're seeing all these super exotic cars, and we're sitting with the driver who is an actual Bitcoiner, so he will talk. Everything I'm saying, he, he can say the same stuff. He's as knowledgeable, if not more, than I am. So oh, he's a cool. very real Bitcoiner and mines Bitcoin with us. And then you're talking strategy with him 10, 20 minutes before a race. And then you're watching him actually compete. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Real life Tony Stark, minus the Iron Man suit. <laughs> It'd be fun if uh, if we had electric vehicles in this in this kind of a racing league. Maybe that'll happen one day. So there's some of that actually being worked on. There's some folks mm-hmm. in Indy, code 19, I want to say. I don't want to mess up the number. Okay. Um, but there, there's some folks that are working on electric and autonomous racing. Oh, sure. Autonomous racing, would that be as fun? To watch, pull the human element out of it. Mm, maybe. I, so know. the analogy I heard, and Lawrence uh, was one of the guys behind it, was telling me. So not original words of mine. It's kind of like when the computer played the famous Russian chess player, and the computer won. Yeah. That didn't diminish any interest in chess. That just showed the computers were now as intelligent. That's fair. If anything, it increased interest. So I think there's going to be both, but I think they're going to meet different. Maybe more exciting races. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, brother, I appreciate you very much. This has been yeah. a blast. This was a lot of fun. I, I've yeah. learned. I've, I've taken a lot of notes, and I have to Google a lot when we get when we get done. <laughs> I'm happy to do a follow up. It's yeah. a rabbit hole. It'd be fun, I mm-hmm. think, to definitely talk about some things. Appreciate it. Thank that was you. Good. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank, Thank you, you. Thank you.